This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my company, Horns Building. Now this week saw us release our brand new clothing range. It's our spring range. And what we've done with this collection is we've tried to put together a bunch of garments that you can wear no matter what the weather. We've got a bunch of new t-shirts. These ones I really like. We've got a Berserker Spirit t-shirt and an Ulfordin Spirit t-shirt. What these are is that they've got a warrior in the middle and then behind the warrior you've got the spirit of the animal that they're embodying. So behind the Berserker you've got a bear and behind the Ulfordin you've got a wolf. Um, alongside that for those of you who like something a little bit more simple we've got just a logo t-shirt so it's our logo on the left hand side and that comes in a heather navy and a woodland heather and these t-shirts are 100% organic recycled cotton then we've got a new jogging pants which come in the men's and the women's and we've also got a hoodie so these are all in black with our logo embroidered on them again with the hoodie we're trying to keep in that theme of keeping things sustainable so that's made from 85% organic cotton and 15% uh, recycled polyester and it's um, global organic treaty certified and also fair weather foundation certified and finally I think my favorite item from this launch is we've got a brand new 100% cotton jumper now this jumper is absolutely perfect for me you can wear it on its own or you can layer it up and have a t-shirt under it and throw that on top for that little bit of extra warmth it's really comfortable it's really soft like I said, it's 100% cotton. Uh, the men's one comes in black and a beautiful olive colour. And then we do a women's one, which comes in a lovely navy colour as well. So yeah, just pop over to the website and check them out. Don't forget, you get that extra 10% discount off anything store-wide for listening to the podcast and for supporting the podcast. Just use Horns10 at checkout and you can get 10% off anything. Thanks for listening. Let's jump into the show. Welcome to the Nordic Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farron, corner of the company Horns Voting, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvig. Hello, everyone. This time we're joined by Hrabnhildur Gujonsdottir, also known as Hapa from Hapanera uh, Tattoo in Iceland. Welcome, Hapa. Thank you. How are you guys? And I'm much better now Matthias did the introduction of your name. Uh, yeah, it was really good. I was surprised. There's no way I was getting through that. Uh, a, a quick little funny story about that. We, I first met Hava in, in England in uh, Landudno with, with Sean Parry briefly. And then when we were going to Iceland, I sent Hava a message and asked if I could get a tattoo. But I didn't know your name at the time. I just knew, like, I just saw it on Facebook and I had no idea how to pronounce it. So we came to the tattoo studio and I just assumed it was going to be you at your tattoo studio and it would, it would be really easy and it wouldn't matter if I could pronounce your name but when I got there there was a you were nowhere to be found and there was another gentleman there and he would just look to me and I was like I have no idea from the right place I don't know how to pronounce the name <laughs> and I was just like <laughs> looked at it and I was like this is just the weirdest kind of amalgamation of vowels and consonants I've ever seen and I just kind of mumbled it out and I think he grasped what I was trying to say it was like oh Habe, yeah she's in the back she'll be out in two minutes like that name to me in my silly English mind just does not work even hearing it I was like what <laughs> well you're forgiven it's quite a hard name 
it's, I think it's the hardest name we've had on the podcast so far. Are you going to try it, though? Are you going to try and pronounce it? I think I could get it now. Yeah, try. Hrafhildr? Almost. It's Hrafhildr. There's no way I'm getting that. I'm going to give up now. If, you, if you're like quite slow at it, uh, like Sean does, then it's Hrafhildr. Yeah, I think once I'd heard it, I kind of was like, okay, I can see that now. But before I'd heard it pronounced, I was just, I, I couldn't even guess. I just looked and it was like, I almost like just walked over to the guy with your Facebook open and just like showed him the Facebook and was like, this person, please, is she here somewhere? Where's the, the blonde weirdo? <laughs> how, how, how are you? I know you're recovering at the minute. Yeah, I am doing really good. Everything's healing according to plan and I'm just super happy. I was having a, uh, it's called brachioplasty. I think I pronounced that right. Um, an arm lift so when you have lots of sagging skin because I lost a lot of weight and um, yeah I was just removing all that excessive skin mm-hmm. yeah I mean I never realized that you were I don't know how to, how to put it nicely bigger I guess um, <laughs> what what was you at your heaviest if I can ask um I don't remember what it is in pounds or anything, or stone like you use. I, I have no idea about stone. But yeah, it was 150 kilos. So I've lost about 110, maybe, around that, pounds. Nice. Yeah. A lot a lot of weight. It's it's a few of my friends weigh that much. So I was like, okay, I've, I've lost basically you as like a whole person. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. I mean, I I think I, I saw you share a picture of you before and and now, and it's it's such a difference. I guess it must make the biggest difference to you as well. Yeah, it's uh, I'm definitely lighter on my feet. <laughs> well, I mean, what what started what started that? What made you get to the point where you were like, no, fuck this, I need to. Well, I I did try. All the things that, you know, like when you're at the at your heaviest and you're kind of desperate, you try all these sort of different diets and nothing worked. It just made it worse. I just got heavier after trying it out. And then um, one day I, I went to my doctor and was just like, can you please help me? I don't know what to do. And he's like, yeah, I'll sign you up for this program. And he signed me up for this uh, thing called Reykjalundur. It's, um, it's a place where you can go and recover from heart uh, surgeries and lung surgeries and also if you are really heavy so basically all of you are there and you're just getting healthier and you're eating like learning how to eat correctly and move but nothing is forbidden like you're allowed to do everything it's just like instead of maybe like if you really want a sweaty burger you just take one of the buns off and you just like eat a little bit less like put the sauce on the side so you're not like just lathering it in sauce and it's like all these tiny little changes it's not so overwhelming so uh just while i was there for six weeks i lost about six kilos just by doing that like eating whatever i wanted and just moving a bit more and then uh, i just learned how to live again but not in the same way i did yeah so, i guess once you start seeing the positive change then it may makes it a little bit easier i guess to to keep it going yeah it was also a lot to do with my mental state my mental state was very bad when i was growing up like um, i was bullied a lot 
Uh, it was just like super difficult time when I was in primary school and my teenage years. I had some friends I could relate to, but in school it was like I didn't really feel good there. So once I uh, got like uh, stopped primary school or graduated, um, I started just trying to get a positive mental health. So with that, it just everything started to get better. And I started to study what I wanted. I started hanging out with people who are not toxic. And I started just exercising, doing what I want. Oh, yeah. And uh, I applied for Art Academy and I got in. That was really good. And uh, yeah, during that time, I was at my heaviest. And like uh, then the year I spent in the Art Academy, I, I lost so much weight. And I was just so happy doing what I love. And finally getting my hands on you know, like studying something I have a lot of passion for. It changed a lot for me. Oh, no, that, that's that's cool. amazing to hear. I think it, even though that, you know, I wanted to speak about this with you because I know it's not strictly kind of Nordic mythology based. It's it's so inspirational to people um, because it can be so hard when you get stuck in that cycle of just eating. And, you, you know, you think eating something is going to make you feel better and momentarily it does. And then straight away after you're like, fuck. And you can't take it back unless you're going to be sick. And then it's like, but it's it's just this horrible cycle. Um, so so I, I find it so refreshing when you see people manage to break it because it is such a hard thing. You know, I'm going a bit over lockdown. I, I've put on maybe, I don't know, maybe like 10 kilos. It's not like a, a huge, like life-changing amount of weight, but it's, it's enough that I've noticed. And I've gone, you know, I need to do something about it. So me and Sarah are going on like a nine-week strict diet tomorrow. So we're just gonna do we're gonna do that, um, and it's just I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to like getting back into that routine because uh, I'm starting to look how Mateus sounds. Which is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you uh, I don't know if you saw one of the one of the people commented that um, Mateus sounds like a heavier set gentleman. <laughs> that was one of the comments that we got on YouTube, which uh, I'm never gonna let him live down. I don't know how you can sound that way, but you know, so to, just to like you know uh, fit the role, I just had two ice cream sandwiches before I went on. So yeah, I'm I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm going in the other direction. Yeah, absolutely. I think I I I didn't know that. Um, I get I guess Iceland offered something like that where you could go away for. For six weeks because I, I can never imagine them, them doing something like that in England I've never heard of it I think over here the answer is either you do it yourself or you they uh, maybe like a gastric band they might offer um, yeah. but even with that it's not changing somebody's mental you know their mental outlook they're not changing their habits there's so many people who will get a gastric band and then just because even though you you know you cut the stomach down to a quarter of its size after a year if you keep eating the stomach just expands back and and you go back to where you were so it's not a long-term fix whereas i think iceland have probably got it spot on with changing people's mental attitude and helping with that rather than just cutting your stomach open that is one of the options after this program so um if you go through this program and you complete it uh you can apply to have your gastric band or whatever they do uh, free of charge but it's very hard to get into this program it's like um a long waiting list and so people who really desperately want to just do it right now they have to pay for it themselves but yeah it was an option and they told us all at the end of the course that it was like okay you can you can choose to 
have the surgery or you can choose to not have the surgery. And I decided like, okay, since this is mostly about mental mental work and, and trying to figure everything out yourself anyway, then uh, I just uh, I decided like, okay, I'm just going to try it myself before I, I do life-changing surgery. And um, yeah, so for me it worked, but for some other people it might not work and they feel like they have to do the surgery, which is fine as well. Oh, ab- absolutely. But I think having that, that that program in place to start with that's going to help at least change your mindset because then it's habits it's you know if, if your habit is to reach for for food every time you're sad then that's not having surgery isn't going to ch- break those habits they need to be snapped as well i guess exactly i like i, I really love how uh how wholesome it sounds this program mm-hmm. like absolutely you know, there, there's there are so many you know very toxic ways that that people try to force other people to, to, to lose weight in this world so, mm-hmm. so i'm really happy to hear that Eisen has a program like that i uh i i feel a little like you dan I, i'm not sure I, uh, that that denmark uh, would offer something similar they'll just be like get that plastic band mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's it you know so like yeah it, does. it definitely sounds like they've got it spot on so yeah like i said i i wanted to speak like I, I think it's very inspirational um and obviously it must have worked if you're at the stage now where you're having the skin removed and uh, I, I imagine that must make a huge difference oh so much yeah I think um from my tummy tuck that I got I was like so much loose skin it was about um like 10 pounds I think so that they removed so this added weight loss I guess just from the just from the skin yeah it's crazy and uh from my arms I think they took about uh like a kilo in total which is like what two pounds or something mm-hmm. wow. if you if you need to lose some weight just cut off an arm it works as well <laughs> i mean yeah I mean, I mean i've definitely been gaining weight over the last year as well because you know he ended up sitting down mm-hmm. then i started trying to mentally cope by 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 making those little dystopian scenarios with gummy bears somebody had to eat those gummy bears afterwards now that's the um, hair that's <laughs> it so i started the pandemic by by munching gummy bears definitely <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's been it's, it's been a tough time like i'm glad that now gyms are back open because for me i've always been active and severing that bond with the gym that i had which you know i have a i have a stressful job running a business and the gym was always a, a big release so i noticed straight when i noticed in sarah as well just the mental health side of things not having that that gym there, it just, it just made me sad. And then when you're sad, you just want to eat some food because apparently that's going to make you better, but it doesn't. And then you just get into this habit of, well, if I'm not training, there's no point eating well. But then as soon as you, you get back to going to the gym, you want to eat better because you want to to feel those gains. So it was just a, a sad time, I think. But tomorrow we have a new gym opening up right, right down the road from us. It's a, it's a nice start. Yeah, well, when you when you start eating bad food, you like your body just craves that more and more. I'm kind of in that spot now. It's like, oh, sugar. Okay, so now I just want more sugar and more salt. But if you're if you're actually exercising, you your body just craves healthy food. It craves the nutrition that it needs. I mean, sugar sugar is a, a drug ultimately, it's the same as caffeine or any other drug, and you do get addicted to it. Yeah, don't dis caffeine though. 
Oh no, I can't go without caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> I always have a, a mug of coffee right before. We've turned into a fitness podcast. Who thought that? <laughs> <laughs> we can that do it all. That was your plan all along. I knew it that was yeah. your plan all along. <laughs> we can do everything. Yeah. I know I actually know a little bit about that. The rest, I just have to wing it every week. <laughs> you just wanted to discuss this to sell more t-shirts then that's it yeah <laughs> july august time everyone wants to get back in shape. i i i will have to get in, into that i'm I'm gonna get some clothes from you <laughs> we can change topic now how about you're best known i guess as a tattoo artist um primarily do you solely do hand poke you don't do any yes. machine work at all uh i know how to work the machine but i haven't touched it in probably a year i would guess what made what made you go down that route of sticking just to because i guess obviously machine would technically be faster even though you are really quick with a with handbook i found that out in person what what made you want to go just solely handbook i just don't crave using machine it's it's more like if you're used to oil painting um i might use acrylics from time to time but i always go back to the oil painting you know it's it's basically just a preference and i i don't know there's something something special about it in my eyes mm-hmm. no there is like you i guess was my hand poke virginia is that the right way to put it i don't really know how to <laughs> uh how to phrase it <laughs> um yeah it was the first, it was the first hand poke tattoo i had which i i opted for my finger um and i have a couple of fingers done and without a doubt the the one you did is the one that it was the first one but it's the one that stayed in the best. It's kind of got the thickest line. Nothing's uh, faded on it yet. So there's definitely something to be said about the, I guess, not necessarily the quality of tattoo because there's nothing wrong with the other ones, but the way that it seems to sit and heal definitely seems to be different than with a um, machine tattoo. Yeah, well, uh, the way the way I do it, uh, especially for the fingers, is... I can really feel what I'm doing. So I can really know how deep I can go on each part of the finger because like more towards the nail, as you found out, you have to stab a little bit harder and it's a little bit more painful and it's just horrible all around. But uh, more towards the hand, it's easier. So there I poke more gently. And um, with the machine, I guess you just go the same amount over the whole thing. And you can't really, like, you don't have the same feeling because the machine is doing, you know, the the stabbing for you, basically. Uh, and I think that's the main difference. Definitely the, it didn't seem to be, have as much trauma to it. It certainly yeah. seemed to heal, heal a lot quicker and didn't get like, the scaliness that you normally would get. Yeah, it's because um, basically what I'm doing is the same as the machine, but the machine does it like uh, 60 to 100 times per minute i think it's around that um versus i just do it like just enough to get the ink in mm-hmm. and until i'm happy with the lines and they're crisp and nice uh so yeah the the machine packs it in way more so it bleeds more and the the skin tries to get get rid of the excess ink but mm-hmm. i only stab enough for the ink to stay so there's no excess and it's just it just heals straight away it's just really nice yeah no i uh most of my my left arm um is hand poked and um yeah no i really noticed a difference between the machine and and the hand poke it was it was 
the healing much faster and and it was much more pleasant so to speak afterwards <laughs> but during oh, yeah. during the session at some point i just got so fucking annoyed <laughs> by the feeling of, it's, uh, of it's the, the needle going in it's like yeah, it's the plucking uh, feeling yeah <laughs> it's i was yeah i i didn't expect that because it's almost like I guess the needle goes in and then maybe gets stuck as it comes out and pulls the skin up. You kind of like aim aim the needle so it uh, like plucks the skin a little bit. So you like ankle it a little bit when you go out and that makes the dots crispier. Yeah. Because basically like it sucks the uh, the ink under the skin, right? Exactly. Like kind of flings it in there. Yeah. Yeah. I would say Sarah, you did uh, a stave on Sarah in between a in between her boobs, I guess, on her sternum. And she like she sat there and took that well. And sternum's a sore place to have. Um but she's she's a psychopath. <laughs> like that she told me after like that hurt a lot. Like she's like that that's the sorest time I've had that like, just because I guess of the placement of it. Yeah. But she's that nice, she will not show that to anyone. Like I was there wincing. I was like, oh, my finger, stop. She she won't want to put you out or make you feel bad for putting her in pain. So we'll sit there stone-faced and show no like no emotion. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? How can you do that? It's genuinely, she, she's just too nice that she can just take unbelievable pain. Well, with myself, when I get tattooed, it's only two things. It's staying completely silent and just like breathing and doing like breathing exercises and really focusing just on letting the pain go through you or i'm just like you know cursing i'm not gonna do that on the show but like blah 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 blah, blah. i can do it in icelandic okay that last one wasn't uh, particularly icelandic <laughs> no it's um yeah i mean i was very surprised at how much ink goes in with each pluck i guess compared to with a gun or with a machine I thought it would be really a lot slower, but I was surprised at how quick, quick you are. Obviously, I, you were never going to be as quick as a machine because you just your little hand can't go that quick. I guess it's it's certainly not as slow as I expected, and I guess is that just down to you and your experience? Um, I know a lot of hamburgers who are very slow, and lots of hamburgers who are very fast. So I think it just depends on what kind of method you use i guess of getting the ink in but for me i just like just pound it in there you know and um it works with me because i know like i i can follow the lines without just going everywhere so that helps <laughs> yeah it's interesting because uh hand poking seems to be like becoming a, a a really sort of like big thing in Scandinavia and Europe in general, I feel like there's more and more than doing it, but it seems like it still has a pretty bad rep over here in the U S people basically associated with prison tattoos. <laughs> well, that's the difference between stick and poke and hand poke in my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I just, I, I think it's really cool. Um, and I think it also, I, 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 what I'm seeing is that, you know, a really good hand, a hand poker, um, can do it as fast as a, as a machine. So like, just, there's no, like maybe one day we can even get to the point where you don't even need machines anymore. <laughs> Go back to the basics. Back to the basics. Yeah. Yeah. That's something very traditional about it, even though I guess 
we don't know whether Vikings were tattooed. It's it's very there's something if they were, it wasn't by a machine. Yeah, exactly. I I would guess for myself, I would guess that they were tattooed just because they traveled a lot and they could have learned that method from someone uh, around the world. And also they were obsessed with decorating themselves. So might might be, you know, I think it's a strong possibility at least. Yeah, no, I, um, uh, I've, I've done a little bit of research into it. Um, I was actually going to give a talk about this on uh, at the Saga conference in Finland uh, this year, but that's canceled as far as I know. Can't remember. Anyway, um, the uh, there's a lot of interesting source material for like that northwestern corner of Europe. Um, that is especially the British Isles, but also just like, you know, more than Germany and stuff like that. Um, mostly Roman that talks about people with that are coloring their their skin in different ways. Usually it's the, the typical stories of like associated with the Picts and the Scots and so on, that they, they, they have some kind of like tradition for tattooing. It, the problem with the language is that it's often quite like like we can't really say if they if we're dealing with tattooing or if it's something else or it's just like coloring your skin, but there's it's a bu- there's a bunch of sources mentioning that of course. This also spills over into Tacitus's history of the Germanic peoples that he's talking about in Germania. Um, he mentions that some of them uh, seem to be coloring their skin as well. Again, we cannot really say if this is tattooing or not. But up until very recently, the oldest evidence of a tattooed person that we know of was from you know the austrian alps um Ötzi, this guy who was found in a glacier right um with tattoos on him um he was from what the late stone age early iron age sorry not iron age bronze age can't remember exactly but around that time so like you know that tattooing was present in europe we know that there are different peoples that have been doing tattooing. And we also know that just like 10 years, I mentioned this before, just like 10 years before the Vikings show up at Lindisfarne, by the way, happy Lindisfarne day, everybody. Um, <laughs> Cause that was this day in 792 or three, 93. Yeah. Um, uh, just like 10 years before we have like the Northumbrian ecclesiastical council, basically talking about the difference between uh, pagan tattoos and Christian tattoos. So, like, it, is, it seems like it's present up there in that part of uh, Europe in general. So, it would be, you know, likely that the Scandinavians also <laughs> did it. And also, just like, you know, any, any little teenager can come up with, like, hey, let me just, like, uh, poke you uh, in my basement at the age of 15. All right. <laughs> Where's this just gone? <laughs> <laughs> that conversation took a left turn right at the end. No, I'm just saying, like, if, you know, if you have if we have a sharp object and and some kind of coloring around, like, you know, any any teenager could come up with the the idea of like, let's try to put this in your skin, right? So I'm kind of thinking, you know, these Vikings, they could probably be doing the same thing. I have a friend who did that in her teenage years with a just like a big pen. So she just poked that in and uh, she asked me to cover it up recently. <laughs> I was like, really? Do you want me to cover it up? It's quite cute. Just like this little horrible looking smiley face that doesn't look like a smiley face anymore. Of course it's a smiley face. <laughs> if you've got two choices of what, it, what 
a teenager's going to draw on themselves. It's a smiley face or a penis. <laughs> That's going to be for me. Now we know. Now we know exactly uh, what kind of uh, homemade tattoo Dan has somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't mind doing a tattoo of a penis on you. No, <laughs> well, maybe one day, just for the lols. No, I, I think, I think they will have been tattooed. There's only there's only been one person on here who's uh, who's gone against it, and that's Luciano um, from Children of Ash. And the problem is, Luciano knows so much about Viking Age artwork that he always like. I'm always like, oh, if you say no, there must be something to it, though. But I, I just can't so, okay, see I'm, why they wouldn't. Like something as as as, an, as like somebody who does research in this field of like Viking culture and all that stuff. Quite often, we make assumptions about pre-Christian Scandinavian culture, Viking culture, all that stuff, based off of much less historical evidence than the historical evidence we actually have for tattoos in Scandinavia. We have Ibn Fadlan, who says that they are, uh, you know, colored from head to toe in the, what appears to be verdant trees, right? And then people go like, oh, but he doesn't really say that they're tattooed. Um, like he's not using a word that, that seems to suggest that their skin was pierced with that color. And it's like, but, but yeah, like they, what was he going to say? Like, was he going to use the word tattoo that he didn't know about? Anyway, <laughs> uh, was he going to use the Greek word stigmata? No. Yeah. But aside from that also, then people say, well, okay, so that's only one source. Yeah. And then again, like there's only one source for a lot of other things as well. And and thirdly, people then say, oh, but we don't even know if they were really Scandinavians or something like that. And I'm like, that's also a bullshit argument because you can see structurally and everything else that he tells us about what these people are doing, especially that chieftain's burial, that they're fucking Scandinavians. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's like, it, it, I, I would say that largely that, you know, it, it falls uh, on, uh, you know, either side of the fence of like, do I like the idea of, of whether or not these people were tattooed? That's really where it goes. Right? Well, like Dan being from Britain, the, you have lots of coal workers and they're all like decorated in cuts, you know, like black cuts because they, they, they get a, like, a, what's the word for it? <laughs> a, a wound. My English is a bit like rusty at the moment. Yeah, they get a wound and then a little bit of like coal goes into it and it creates a tattoo. So if it's that easy, that you just like they're just working and they're covered in cuts, you know, um, then, you know, why is it so impossible to think that people back in the day would do the same thing? I would say that the main reason that there is still like a team or that, that there was a team of scholars in Scandinavia and elsewhere who were strongly against the idea that they possibly tattooed is mostly because they have sort of like these, you know, uh, late 19th century, early 20th century romantic ideas about what Vikings were, basically that they, uh, you know, uh, were the same as them in some weird way or other, right? So it's all about contemporary nation building and, and building ideas about your ancient history and all that stuff mm -hmm. more than anything else. How so, much do you think like popular culture at the time will influence things like that? Because obviously it's only recently, maybe in the, what, the last 15, 20 years that tattoos have really kind of taken off and been popularized in, in kind of everyday popular 
popular culture. So before that, do you think that maybe tattoos being seen negatively could have swayed historians to, to look away from that, you know, which is kind of sad, really. You shouldn't be influenced by the times on when looking at history should go by the facts. Yeah. So, so think about the early 20th century. Uh, what were, who, who had tattoos in like Western society that would be sailors and prostitutes, right? Uh, that kind of stuff, right? So, so like nice society would be looking at it and judging them. Aside from that, who else would have tattoos? Who would, you know, regular uh, Europeans or white Americans know as tattooed people? Well, uh, some kind of like distant so-called primitive tribe in the Amazon or somewhere else, right? And so that's not nice and white. Bam, there we go. We can't imagine our ancient ancestors not being nice and white. So, um, of course, they didn't tattoo. Of course, they didn't do this. Of course, they didn't do that. And so on and so on and so on. I guess, like, the Bible has a lot to say of say in it as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, I mean, this is... That there's, uh, I've also mentioned this before. There's even a theory that the original stigmata that Jesus had and other people might have had uh, was actually tattooing. <laughs> Because in ancient Roman society, uh, tattooing was associated with slavery. They tattooed slaves. Um, mm -hmm. The Hellenic Greeks as well, but the Thracians north of of uh, Hellas in in what is now Greece proper, um, the Thracians they did tattoo. There are depictions of them with like these weird like um, um, uh, uh, triangles on their uh, arms and stuff like that. So. I mean, tattooing has definitely been a thing in Europe. Oh, I'm gonna annoy. I'm gonna annoy so many Christians with that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, this is the thing. Like, even like Christian Europe has been tattooing a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, um, it, you know, Crusader tattoos was a thing back in the 1100s, right? Mm -hmm. You go to Jerusalem, you fight for for Christianity, you get a nice little Jerusalem cross tattooed right here on your chest. You go back home, right? Um, what was his face? Harold Godwinson, your so-called last Anglo-Saxon king, is said to have had a tattoo on his chest that said England. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. The chaviest tattoo ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the, that's the one. Uh, I know the Euros is start. I think the Euro, by the time this comes out, I think like the European Championship football thingy will have started. And you can guarantee there's going to be some, some drunk men in the pub. <laughs> With Probably that England England tattoo straight across the chest, really go. upset when England do shit. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, um, I mean, that's such a bad tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> like imagine, like imagine like some someone just having like Denmark, any any country name like USA across the chest. I'm sure there's a few of them, or any any of them. It's just so bad. It's like what. Dude. There's definitely a lot of like Denmark tattoos that goes like this, just on the lower on the belly. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is it a bit too long to go across the chest? <laughs> <laughs> it's very popular in Iceland to get the four uh, protectors of Iceland tattooed on them. I think that's that's all right, but like I I try not to do it as the as the crest is uh, crest the right word? Yes, yeah. I try not to do it as that, you know, literally, but I I do the so there's like four protectors. There's a bull, there's an eagle, and there's a giant, and there's a dragon. So that's pretty cool. Like if you do that individually, that's like 
the closest I do to like this national pride thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just England's just an odd one. I, I wonder if that's true. I'd love to know whether Harold Godwinson had that, like just had England across the chest. I would love to know if that was real and just look at him and be like, what the fuck have you done? Why have you done that? <laughs> you must have been drunk. Uh, that's ridiculous. Uh, there's so many people with their own uh, own country's name tattooed on them. It's just, yeah, well, like, do what you want, man. That's fine. Just, yeah. I don't have to like it, but do what you want. I mean, I'm not anti-patriotic, but I'm also not like super patriotic to to like that kind of live. I'm like, I was just born in this patch of earth. Like, it means very little to me. Like, I wanted to, I wanted to, th- I guess I wanted to thrive and to be nice to other people, but I'm not going to be like, ooh, England's the best. Well, England being nice has like that ship has sailed a long time ago. Oh yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Um, so now we've got all serious. Let's move <laughs> on to Icelandic staves, and you two can tell us what's what's real, what's not, what's good, what's oh, bad. Dear. Probably upset <laughs> a lot of people who've got tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think most of the staves are actually ridiculous, like literally ridiculous. Like the the descriptions on how you're meant to apply them and how you're meant to use them is ridiculous. If you've if you learned anything about staves, then yeah, most of them are not super cool, you know. It's the same as with people who always expect their own spirit animal to be like an eagle or a wolf, but it's actually a caterpillar. It's the same with the staves. <laughs> you kinda use it just like, oh yeah, use this to make a horse lame or use this as uh yeah, to what was I? I I had found a stave here that was just well let's talk about something else while I search for this what is a stave like let's let's try and have some structure I get either um Habo or Mateus is it or, or what's the difference with like an Icelandic stave to a normal stave is there a difference what's what's a stave all right um <laughs> I'll I'll start with some history on this. So so the staves as as we know them um, start appearing in Galtrapaikia, so these uh, um, spell books uh, that are being collected in the 1500s, um, because a, a, what we're basically seeing is an increasing worry uh, about witchcraft in all of Europe, right? That's what leads to the Burning Age in the 1600s. So, so this is happening in Iceland too, where we're, um, we, we, we see these uh, books cropping up um, and mostly as a way to recognize if somebody is a witch, right? Because if you, they have these like um, uh, seagulls around, then, then it's got to be because they're doing dark magic and all that stuff. Um, that's, that's, why, that's why we have access to them today, right? That, that's how they have ended up in books in the first place. Now, um, what were they before? Well, um, they were part of a common European, uh, uh, mainly uh, Christian um, with Jewish uh, influence, of course, the type of magic that, um, that had developed over centuries, if not millennia 
and um, and it, at some point entered Northern Europe with uh, learned individuals of various kinds interested in um, the the types of magic that were circulating back in the medieval period. And keep in mind, in the medieval period, there is a difference between uh, uh, magic. Like so, there is some magic that you can do that is considered acceptable. Um, and divination can, for instance, be an acceptable type of magic because basically what, what you're just fi finding out is sort of like God's plan anyway. So, so as long as you don't interact with, um, with the, the, the demons, um, then, then it's fine. Um, and, and, you know, depending on what time period we're dealing with, there, there are different ideas of like when you enter sort of demon territory. But in the late 1400s, we get to the point where, um, where, where we have the Maleus Maleficarum, this, uh, the witch's hammer, as it is called. That uh, just this, sounds witchy. Right? <laughs> that just sounds like he's going to put a curse on there. Yeah, so, so this, is, uh, this is the opposite. Is the, the, the witch's hammer is, is, uh, is a treatise um, written by two absolute assholes in Germany. Um, a, 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 to to um, identify and persecute witches, right? And as this book becomes more and more popularized in Europe, it, it's being used in the ecclesiastical schools uh, in different places in Europe. And um, 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 that's how basically we then get these modern concepts of what witches are and what it means to, to be a witch. And do magic and black magic and all of that stuff, right? Really, that's where that comes from, and that's why we then see, um, you know, priests and and other officials taking an interest in whether or not um, lay people and sometimes also clergy are doing like dark magic, and that's how these seagulls then end up in these books mm -hmm. written down as like, oh, this is an example of how a witch would do this and a witch would do that, and so on. So. That's how you can recognize it. And actually, the first Icelandic witch we burned was this poor guy who was, um, I can't remember his name, but he was um, um, he was accused of having made a boy sick. That's the, that's the us usual like um, witchcraft curse in Northern Europe. You either made a person sick or uh, people's cattle or something like that. Or you you basically put a curse on them to, so that they died, right? So this poor guy is. <laughs> they're all things that you just can't prove. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like, oh, I got sick. You must have cursed me because you looked to me for now. Exactly, but this is what is called maleficium in sort of uh, the um, the official uh, language about the, all that. So if you commit maleficium, then you're you're a bad witch. Um, and this this is an old like that's all the way back. Um, but uh, but that's like how the curses start. Oh, sorry, not the curse. The persecutions start. They start with these kinds of accusations, and then they get more and more weird after that. But this poor guy, um, uh, who might have been, you know, perhaps not fully mentally there, uh, based off of what we know, um, the, the the few things that we know about this guy. Um, but one of the things that that convinced people that he was a witch was the fact that he had a sheet of paper or vellum, I guess it would have been, so basically derived from cowskin, um, with uh, these um, secret signs on them. 
and nobody knows what those secret signs actually were. Um, but he he had that lying around, and so there's I think it was just doodling. Drittons. He was just doodling dick drawings, wasn't it? He could have been doodling dick drawings, and then and they've just you know, called him a witch. Yes, <laughs> poor so, guy. So that's that's how that's how like this uh, all the witchcraft stuff starts in Iceland. So I I always thought, I mean, I'm I'm an adult now, so I don't think this now, but I used to think when I, I was significantly younger that a witch was the lady and a wizard was a man. Like that was just what I I I didn't grow up in kind of around this stuff, so I was like, oh, a witch is a lady. Bearing in mind, until I was fifteen, I thought, and this is embarrassing, so I really don't want to say this, but I thought that lions were men and tigers were women, and (laughs) I do not know how I got to fifteen years old thinking that, like how nobody, how I didn't let that slip. And how nobody told me any different, but I genuinely thought the lions were just the men and tigers were the women, and these were the same thing. And how the fuck I got so far, I don't know. <laughs> it probably explains a lot about me. <laughs> no, it makes a lot of sense, actually. I think, you know, I. No, it doesn't. They're completely been, different animals. You know, I, I might have been thinking the same way when I was like perhaps a lot younger, but still. <laughs> I sort of like recognize like these like you know you're you're nine years old and you're you're like yeah lions are like these cool male figures and and tigers are these female like yeah, yeah. no it makes it makes weirdly sense in sort of like a I grew up with He Man kind of like world uh, to me at least uh, so I, yeah I can see that um, <laughs> no so witches are both men and women actually uh, it's only in Disney. Right, where Merlin is is a wizard, and then we have the the, the, the witch in the woods and all that stuff. Mm. Um, originally, anybody could be accused of witchcraft. Usually, oh. women, uh, sort of like on a broad European scale, except for Iceland and Finland. That's where you get majority. Uh, well, in Iceland, you have majority male, and in Finland, you have fifty fifty. In the rest of Scandinavia, it's about 80% female and then 20% male. I I never would have expected it to be majority men. I honestly thought that it was most cases it was just men trying to get rid of their wives. That's France. Uh, France and Belgium, that's mainly what that's about. In Scandinavia, they're they're really worried about... um, Equal rights. uh, Progressive. Progressive. (laughs) Oh, okay. In Iceland, there was yeah one one woman, and it was it was mostly like burnings in Iceland. But that one woman was drowned, where the congress always took place, like uh, Althingi. And the first guy was burnt in nine uh, no sorry sixteen hundred twenty five, and uh, yeah, he was burnt because some some guy accused him of um, you know like bringing up a ghost in his in his house. And it's like no proof. Well, yeah, let's just burn him anyway. That's I, he was, and yeah, the trials or the or the punishments always seem insane to me. It's like, oh well, you know, if she drowns, guess she wasn't a witch. Yeah, if she, she survives, <laughs> she's a witch. And it's like, yeah. oh, let's burn her. If she dies, oh, she's not a witch. She'll she'll die as a good Christian woman. Why? Yeah, it's like fuck off. I don't want to die. <laughs> I'd rather just live and not be a witch. 
Yeah. So the interesting thing about that that one woman who um, who was executed for witchcraft in Iceland is that that is actually the only Icelandic case that seems to fall in the same pattern as witchcraft cases from from mainland Scandinavia, um, where we're dealing with, or and especially in Norway, we're dealing with an itinerant woman, not a lot of like. Uh, well, she's very poor. She's um, she's um, traveling with her son and the thing that she's accused of is actually to fly and that's one of the only cases of, of flying which is that you have in Iceland which is otherwise pretty standard for like go to Norway or Denmark you have the same thing not so much Sweden Sweden is is actually a, a, a weird uh, outlier when it comes to witchcraft cases because they all believe in the pact with the devil over there um, and it's a very modern thing. The pact with the devil, all that stuff doesn't show up that uh, often in the, the Norwegian and Danish and Icelandic cases. It's more the maleficium stuff where somebody has cursed my cow or cursed my me or something like that. <laughs> I love I love uh, Swedish Svartkomst. It's very interesting to read about. Mm, very much so. <laughs> okay, so back to back to Staves. Yeah, so the staves, right? So it sounds almost like a stave is almost like, a, I guess, a sigil. Mm-hmm. You would. So I guess the, the, the first question is, do they link back to the Viking Age? You, you, you both said no. You know, they don't link back to the Viking Age. So at what point do we get these things becoming Viking Age, I guess, in modern culture because if you ask we, the helm of awe and the legacy are the two that are the the most common but shan's going to pull up a, a page in a, in a minute that that shows all these different sigils and staves they've all been attributed in some way to the viking age whether it's odin or you know odin's way to get people to sleep and all these different things so it, it seems like the two have become so intermeshed the where where did that happen? Where did it become one and the same? Because most people who you know don't leave the listen to the podcast or have the opportunity to speak to amazing people like you two just Google stuff and it comes up and they go, okay, that must be from the Viking Age. Because they don't know any 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 different. Mm. Yeah, so there's a couple of things. Um, what we're seeing here on 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 this this little chart that, that we're showing here, it's actually a lot of different uh, uh, symbols um, that have sort of like been combined in different ways. Um, so, just, I was, I, just for for anybody listening, um, if you Google, I think I just Google like Icelandic stave, and this was the first image that came up. Um, so it's. It's an image of one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, there's 14 on here. Um, and more, I think most people listening to this will have seen these. Mm-hmm. So as we as we kind of move through them, I guess. Well, few of them are pine rooms and not staves. That's, exactly. yeah. Yeah, that's what we're seeing in the lowest line. So so we have uh, the one that says Gibu Aoya, which means good luck. Um, mm-hmm. um, that one seems... Uh, uh, that's very similar to the ones that we can find on the Rurk stone from, from Sweden, from the 700s. Um, then we have, next to it, we have two bind runes, which, you know, anybody can make 
and um, and and then we have a, um, a a seagull from from an Icelandic manuscript, and then we have another bind rune. So so like somebody has decided here to like basically combine mm-hmm. uh, different different things. So what would so, be the difference between like a stave and a bind rune? Um, the main difference is that the the bind runes are very few and far between. The ones that do exist, they show up in carvings in the Viking Age, um, and then then they they don't really show up until again in the, like the late nineteenth <laughs> century, um, where people start um, you know dabbling in these things again. It, I mean, there are some examples here and there, but it's 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 a very very elusive tradition, so to speak. Um, and it's also very complicated to say one simple thing about what they are. Uh, mostly it kind of looks like a space saving issue. Okay. Uh, So like basically, um, you can, you can write runes for instance, um, but with that one down in the the, the left, um, lower left corner, right. You make a, make a cross like that. And then you add, um um arms uh to the sides on on it right and then you can basically um a, by counting you can see what kind of letter it is supposed to be in the runic um alphabet or futhark right and so that's like a code way of writing runes and that's like that 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 seems to be you could call it sort of like a, a cryptic alphabet or whatever, but it, you could also just call it somebody trying to save space. You know? <laughs> okay. So it's like you, you, it doesn't necessarily have to carry some kind of like deep mystical meaning, if you know what I mean, right? Okay. Okay. Um, Haber, what about this? Is This is one that I want to know about. The one that said Odin's illusionary rune, camouflage and deception. Now, what the fuck is that? Because like, these these are ones that people will, I guarantee, and they might be shitty. Oh no, the, there will be some people who've looked at this and then got that tattooed on them somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere they because yeah. because this is the first. Like I said, I just I just put Google Icelandic staves, and this was the this is kind of like the list that came up. There was a, another list that had oh, a bunch more in it, but this is one that I've seen before um so i imagine so many other people will have just googled it found these and they will look at them and go okay yeah i don't know any difference so i guess the the, from the baggage because it is very overwhelming when you do start to learn this stuff um i think it might actually be from the hulit manuscript um i have seen it before Um, okay but but i can't remember where i was just going through it could also be in uh, in in in, Galtner, in in the sorcerer's creed. It's not in there. It's not in either one I have. So it might be from like a an another book or an older book. Yeah, so you just wonder. Sure like, I've seen it in the in a in a in a it, no, yeah, seventeenth century manuscript. It could be from, um, but yeah, no, it's uh, I do not remember that it's, <laughs> it has anything to do with. Okay. Holden in that one. You just wonder, like, somebody must maybe find these and put together this image of 14 staves and bind rooms 
and then it gets lost on the internet and becomes infamous, I guess. And how do you take it back when there's so much you know, on the on these on these one little piece of paper or or screen? There's so much yeah. misinformation. How do you ever put that back in Pandora's box? I don't think we will. It's yeah. I think it's uh, when people come to me, they either know exactly which stave they want, or they ask me to suggest someone some stave, or I use the bind runes actually as like a a symbol of what they need. So I take the futhark, it's like either futhark or younger futhark or the Icelandic runes, and I find like what the person needs and puzzle that together. So that's like entirely just for that person. And I don't know if that's what they did, you know, when they did the bind runes first. Like, if they were making, um, like, a cryptic script, like Matthias said, or if they were using it as, like, a magical stave. So I don't think we will find that out. So, yeah, it's... Um, if you just go to somebody that knows knows their stuff about the staves, then uh, you'll get what you want. Otherwise, just take it off the internet and hope it's the right thing, you know? That's it, yeah, exactly. I mean, this, the, the other one that I see a lot is the the hardest one to pronounce, Fifth Thorn, the Sleep Thorn. And I see, I've seen that quite often. Place beneath the pillow or bed for restful sleep. And it almost looks like four keys, I guess. Um, is that real? Yes, that's a real one. Okay. I, I guess I guess they would need their good sleep, like sleeping in the horrible situation they they did in Iceland. It's like a, in a cave or a dirty floor, you know, like with their cattle to keep them warm, and just the smell and the the stank and ugh, I can't even imagine. So, I guess you would meet, need some help with helping you sleep. I mean, we all can. So I get. I mean, when we say the real, they're not. I guess they're not Viking Age anymore. Like 16th and 17th century, it, it started like around that time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the thing, like the, it's a real tradition, right? Um, that it's a real uh, both folk and learned tradition in Iceland um, and also elsewhere in Europe. So, I mean, in that sense, it's, it's still pretty fucking cool. <laughs> like, yeah. People died for these. They died if they were found with any, you know, script or books or anything that contained magical staves. So this was literally a life-threatening thing to do, like just to have something to help you sleep. So it's pretty cool that people were, you know, willing to sacrifice themselves just to like do the magic. Mm-hmm. No, it's yeah, it's amazing, but I think also people need to understand what they what they're getting as well um like it's it it's an amazing thing in itself but like you said before it's it's like a 1600s kind of magical stave whereas so many people will just assume that the viking age and link the two together but equally i don't know how you would ever kind of separate the two and i guess the the biggest examples of that are the helm of awe and I'm not going to try to pronounce it, and the Vigvisia. Um, like, those two are so iconic now with the with the Viking Age, but also the not-quite-Viking symbols, I guess. But so many people think that they are 
and uh, yeah, it's they're they're definitely the the worst offenders. They're they're the mainstreamest ones, <laughs> if I can word it that way. Yeah, it's um, I've I've even seen values are used in in this horrible uh, horror film that me and Seobody watched um, as like to ward off demons. So I just like, oh, okay, googled magical symbols, just like picked up Vagavisir and put it in their movie. It was fun to watch it, but it was quite bad. Is it the ritual? No, it's not that one. No. Yeah, I think I think this one is Spanish, the the horror film that I'm talking about. Okay. I think of Spanish horror films. Not that I know many. Yeah. Oh, they 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 can be really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. They can. yeah. I yeah. know Rec. Rec's probably the only Spanish one that I think Spanish. Is Rec Spanish? <laughs> Maybe, um, yeah. So those those two, I think we've spoke about it. Spoke about them both ad nauseum on the podcast before. Obviously, so many people just assume that they're that they're from the Viking Age. But I guess it's one of these things where it's almost a self fulfilling prophecy that whilst they're not strictly from the Viking Age, they are certainly part of Viking like modern kind of Viking culture and th- this whole rebirth of. So what, I don't know, what do you do with those two symbols? Like, uh, well, I explain it. If people come and want Aesjölmur or Vagvisir, it's like completely fine with me. I love doing it every time. I, I think it's beautiful. Like both the symbols are very beautiful and very aesthetically pleasing on somebody's skin. But I, if they don't know anything about it, we talk about it and I explain like, oh, it's from the 16th or 17th century. It's uh, not Viking at all. It's completely Icelandic. And it's, um, you know, it's for this purpose. So I don't I don't really think it matters that much that people think it's Viking Age. It's like just people don't know better because it's been advertised as that. And it's even been used on some Viking shows and stuff like that. I'm obviously one to frequent the, the Facebook groups. If you ever <laughs> see a tattoo of a Vegvisir or Helmovar, I go in there just for the comments because I know for a fact there's going to be somebody in there going, that's not a Viking Age symbol. <laughs> it's it's fine to ed- educate people. Like, it's like people can educate, but it's like some people just take offense to it, even though you're not trying to be smug. It's just like, oh, yeah, this is actually this this thing. And people get super offended and they start arguing and it's hilarious to read. (laughs) Yeah, those ones definitely, definitely do do that. They seem to bring, bring something out in people. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I like them both. I think they're both. I mean, I've carved both of those on hundreds of horns at this point. Like those, those ones are by far the best seller for us as well. Like, without a doubt, those two, we sell more than anything else. Um, and, it, like, funny enough, like, if anything that's traditionally, like, Viking artwork never sells as well. And it's, yeah. it's, it's frustrating. We say, well, then they, I also I have to be a business because I need to eat. Um, so it's, um, it's, it's a tough one, I think. Well, it's a, there's always going to be uneducated people that, don't want to put any effort in and researching what they want marked on their body forever. So they they just have to have that stave and not know anything about it. And England across the other chest, you know. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh no, no one please ever get England across the chest. <laughs> um okay, so Icelandic staves are not Viking Age. They are what do you say between 1400 and 1600? 16 to 1700, yeah. Okay. So they they're quite away mm-hmm. off. So do you think that this connection to the Viking Age is because they come from Iceland? And obviously Iceland was kind of founded by the Vikings or at least, you know, people from Scandinavia. So people we go, okay, think, anything from look, Iceland man, is Viking. We can thank the Icelandic tourist industry for all of that. Yeah, yeah, they definitely know how to market Iceland, especially in in America. It's like um, I get I get so many Americans walking in to the studio and asking for, you know, some symbols and stuff. So. Oh, there's a lot of Americans coming here. And they're mostly like very polite. Um, that's nice, but Iceland is definitely getting full of tourists all the time. And, you know, it's kind of tiring sometimes if you want to go and look at your own country and you have to kind of like navigate through a crowd of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess that's just the reality now. It's, yeah, it's it's frustrating. Cause it, <laughs> Yeah, it's annoying. Me, me and Sarah went for a, a walk through the day and it was half term for the kids over here. So we, we, um, I, I wanted to go to Fountains Abbey, which is a Cistercian Abbey from uh, 1200s. Um, it's a really beautiful place, but apparently, even though it's outside, they only allow so many people in because of COVID, which mm. is f- fucking ridiculous because it's outside. So we went down the road to a place called Binham Rocks. Um, it's this really cool like natural stones, I guess, that have been eroded over time. And it must have been three times the amount of people that were up the road where they wouldn't let us in. But this was an open open air one, so no one really judged it. Um, and it was so incredibly busy. And I was away walking around, I'm like, fucking, there's all these people here. But I'm like, but I'm here, so I can't really complain because I'm here walking around. I'm one of these idiots. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But it's like, oh, all these people walking around my lovely Yorkshire. It's like, yeah, but... I mean, yeah, so, but it does get frustrating, but equally, I guess with Iceland, the, I mean, with the, money, Iceland, the money from tourism also helps. Yeah. So it's a weird double-edged sword, right? Because on the one hand, uh, you're making a fuck ton of money on tourists. On the other mm-hmm. hand, they're part of destroying the ecosystem at this point. And all the all the buildings and all the roads and everything they're building so tourists can get to the places easier. It's it's like it's gonna ruin the landscape bit by bit and it's not gonna be like when i was a child we would go on school trips and visit you know geysir and all those places that you know about Gullfoss, and we had to walk a long way to get there there wasn't a parking spot like right there next to it and like a big thing where you could buy ice cream and a shitty little vegvisir thing you know so now it's just bit by bit like the volcano they're working on building like this huge uh, thing like for cars to so you don't have to walk that far are you yeah. serious are, you, are they literally yeah. like building in, a tourist infrastructure for a volcano yeah yeah <laughs> people oh, don't people don't want to walk anymore no like my friend my my friend went the next day after it started erupting and her and her friend they had to walk like they they didn't know exactly where to go and they had to kind of like she's she's an experienced uh, walker, you know, like she she goes on hikes all the time, so she was safe. But like they walked for three hours there and then three hours back, 
And when me and Seuba, they went the other day, I think they'd made like a new, new like uh, walkabout. So that you go like around it, around the volcano instead of going up this massively steep thing. But it was still like three hills to get there. And it took us about like uh, approximately one and a half to two hours one way. And then the same back. But yeah, like now it's they're going to shorten it even to like one hour, which is crazy. So like, where are they building this? <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's because obviously when we came over, we did all the touristy stuff because it was the first time we've been to to Iceland. Um, and it, yeah, I looking back, it is surprising how close the car parks are to mm. everything, especially the uh, you, you say it so much better than me, gay, gay, geezer, gay, sir, yeah, that one, <laughs> just say gay, sir. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so with that, like, gay, you, sir. It, if if you're looking yeah. in one direction, it's it's beautiful. But then, like, you you turn ninety degrees, hundred eighty degrees, then there's like your big whole touristy type shop. Yeah, like hotel and shop and parking lot and people. Oh, the people. Oh, the people. That's it. First time. First time I was uh, that I saw Casey was in. Uh uh 2010 or something like that and and then last time was in 2017 i think right and in between like the like the tourist infrastructure around it just like exploded i, I remember in 2010 you could go there wouldn't be that many people around and nothing you know like that and then this time it was like I can't get anywhere for like all these Chinese tourists that mm-hmm. are just like they're like, swarming everything. It was like holy shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We because there was a there was a snowstorm when we were there, so there were a couple of days when we couldn't go where we wanted to. And the one day it kind of cleared up, we went to again. I'm going to butcher it. Thing uh, Thingvilla Thingvilla Thingvellir. Yeah, that's where the Althingi was held, like the the Congress. We went there, and I guess like. It's part of the the tour, the tour route. Golden Circle. That's it. And a lot of the people don't have a fucking clue what it is. Like they <sighs> just went because it was a pretty park. And yeah. then there's me like a little kid going now. Oh my god, like this is the fucking the rock. This is the stone. Like like the little thing. And everyone's just walking past it. I'm like, appreciate this stone. Yeah. And and there there's actually the the little um Healer, as we call it, that where the witch was drowned. So, I guess you didn't know that already. Yeah, no, that's. Uh, I mean, that's that uh, that pond that's there. Like, it used to be, uh, 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 at least according to like legend, like where you know people were sacrificed. Yeah, it's called Trekkingarhealer, which means like drowning pond. Yes. Yeah. So that that's pretty cool too. I mean, that that was definitely. <laughs> The, the the one thing that I really liked to just <laughs> that that was why I went there. But no, I mean it's, I think it says a lot that you like um, that you have like so many uh, um, tourists that come from so far away, right? Like at this point, you know, it's it used it started to be like just European tourists, right? Okay. And then then it expanded to American tourists. And now there's like a whole industry that's bringing people from China in particular. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it says a lot about like how much has this grown and uh, also the impact that it, that, that it has on Iceland now, I think. I, I don't yeah, think that's... that's just Iceland. I think that's, no. 
uh, certainly in the UK, there is a huge influx of kind of like Chinese tourists. I think uh, that's... Uh, like Huddersfield, yeah. my, the, the town I'm from, we have a, a huge kind of like Chinese uh, student base. So it's very, I think it's very much, I mean, the Chinese have got some money. So, oh yeah, uh, no. <laughs> that's a it, like I, I think it's fair if you <laughs> want to go and see the world uh, from any country, right? Um, but I think it, um, you know, when you're dealing with such a small country as, as Iceland, right, is it becomes really hard to maintain, you know, social integrity over time mm-hmm. if, when when the country is is constantly flooded with people who come there and stay for a week and go see all of these different places and then leave again. And I mean, the only thing that really can prevent them from doing that nowadays is a blizzard, <laughs> right? I mean, or a volcano, like a bigger volcano, would be nice. I was gonna say bl- the blizzard didn't keep too many people away when I was there. We yeah, well, we set go. off to try and have a look, and then we were like, ah, you can't go down. No, I mean the road system in Iceland is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I you know I've driven in a few countries, but by far they have the best system of you can look, you can like. You've got a website, you look on it and it tells you which roads are open, closed, gives you a traffic light system of uh, how safe it is to drive on there. But typically tourists fucking ignore it. I stopped and he said the road was closed. I was like, no, you know, we'll go back, we'll come back tomorrow. And there were people just going. Going for it, yeah. That's a, we have a, we have a, like volunteers here in Iceland, like a rescue team. And they work 24-7 in saving people and, you know, saving houses and everything when there's a blizzard. And they they just do fantastic work. And I feel like lots of tourists are really abusing that because they don't charge people for it. And I think they should really start fining people that ignore, you know, that ignore the news. Like, okay, just don't go there because you're going to get stuck and you're you might just like freeze to death. I, I always wonder, yeah. I don't know whether it's that people are ignorant or people are dumb. And I don't know which one it is because they, people will just drive past and go, oh, well, that doesn't either. Either it's, they'll say, I didn't see it or that it's probably not going to happen to me. Or how bad can it be? I mean, you're I in didn't Iceland. I think it was that bad. Yeah. yeah it's not going to be that, like, because they come from either England or maybe the USA, maybe where. Or certainly parts where they don't have to deal with a lot of snow. But I've never seen snow like it. Um, we weren't sure whether we were going to be able to land because they, they would talk about showing the airports with the with the snow. And there was one point where we went to get we went to, to get a coffee from the little, little place by the by the harbour. And I have even just walking, what, maybe it was 50 meters from the car to the coffee place. I have never known snow like it in my life. That that means you were in real Iceland. It's like it's it's really fun to experience. It was scary. You know? It was actually quite scary of how bad the snow was. Like we weren't even walking far. And I was like, "Fuck this!" Yeah, you have to you have to kind of keep your your neck down and like shield your face because otherwise you're just slapped in the face by snow from the side. No, it's um, uh, yeah, and like the Icelandic winds. Holy shit! Like they move trucks. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, they are hurricane forces, even though we don't have hurricanes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you no, guys it's... and and you guys fucking just drive on it like it's nothing. <laughs> I got in the car <laughs> and I had this Jeep with, with snow tires on. I was like a little bit tentative. And there's people in like, I don't know, just like saloon cars, just just normal cars, just 
flying past me and I'm like well if you if you learn how to drive in that situation you know like how how uh, fast is you know um safe and you just learn how to respect the nature you just have to respect the boundaries that the nature sets and um lots of people like so many tourists come here in Iceland and they they ignore the signs that say like danger don't go near like don't go further than this and to the ocean and you know they just go uh, further and they drown they get sucked in by the ocean especially in Vik where they have the black beach um so many tourists have died there it's it's very crazy yeah and then i bet it's it, it's iceland's fault for not putting up a solid wall that you can't get around well that's the beauty you can't sue anyone for you know like what are you gonna sue the ocean well you know you, you there's a sign there I'm sure they'll try sue somebody for the sign not being big enough. We went to, um, and I've forgotten the name. The the it's the waterfall that's also on the Golden Circle. Uh, good for us. Yeah, so we went up there, and, and I've got to say that's the that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen because it was kind of like half frozen when we were there, and it was starting mm. to melt in big chunks. Um, but even then, there was some parts of it that were closed because of the time of year and the weather, and they obviously weren't safe. And you could just see people... Yeah, climbing over it, yeah. Yeah, climb over the side, walk down there because they want a picture for, for Instagram. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on in your head? This sign says, don't go there. And you're like, well, that doesn't apply to me. I think it's people thinking they're immortal. Like, I had that when I was a teenager and you could jump over things and, you know, like, uh, do everything. Skate without fearing for your life like I do now. And, uh, yeah, and they, they go over the the cables that are marked like don't go further than this and they go over it and they slip and they die like it's it's terrible like um it was just on the news the like yesterday i read it that some guy jumped up on uh, a piece of lava like a fresh lava chunk with like with like um, just like a liquid lava underneath it like if that would have given in he would have melted in like seconds I bet he made a really cool fucking Instagram story though, didn't it? Well, he's probably going to get smolted for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we get it here too. We have, like, Colorado has a bunch of tourists, right? Um, because there's so much outdoor stuff. And in the wintertime, it's it's as as hazardous as in, in Iceland, um, at least on the bad days. Um, but uh, more so... Well, our main problem is that we have a bunch of like, you know, dangerous animals like bears and and moose and and shit like that. I saw a herd of bisons uh, in Colorado. That was amazing, and it was actually behind the fence, so we could actually walk quite close up to them without dying. But like, yeah, it's like you just don't mess, don't mess with nature. Huh. No, I like mean... in in Yellowstone, it was I was in Yellowstone a couple of years ago uh, up in Wyoming and. Um, and the bison there, they get like really close. They're they're all around. Like, and mm. we were right by the visitor center. We were walking down this little path, and just next to the path, there's like this huge fucking buffalo just standing <laughs> oh. there. And we're oh. like, okay, let's uh, let's just you know go back. And but there was like all these tourists that were just like walking around and everything. Oh, no. This poor, this poor uh, it, it, what what are they called? Uh, um, nature guy uh park ranger park ranger, park ranger exactly yeah. he was like running at them like 
Get away from there. <laughs> like, of course. Back up, back up. People it's are... like if that thing had just like charged at them, they would have been flat. Like, what yep. the fuck? People are insane oh. because it doesn't have teeth or like it's a big scary tiger. Then like, oh yeah, it won't hurt me. Look how cute and cuddly it is. Or look how soft it is. Or docile. It's like, no, that thing will fucking stampede you. Yeah. You've seen Lion King, what it does to... Uh, yeah, does it move, does it move faster <laughs> than, it, than it stamp? That gets yeah. stampeded. <laughs> right. Let's uh let's wrap this one up. Um Habba, where can everybody find you and your lovely work? Uh on my website, there's all the information. It's habanero tattoo.com. So it's H-A-B-B-A tattoo. It's like habanero tattoo. <laughs> and yeah, it's like you can go to all my platforms for there. I'm I mostly use Instagram. So mm-hmm. um Matthias, where can everybody find you? You can always find me on Instagram. Please don't send me friend requests on Facebook. <laughs> Which means friend requesting on Facebook. Yeah, no, it's fine. Friend requesting on Facebook. <laughs> have Aside you from that, I have to plug my, my new research book, uh, yeah. Volcanoes and Old Norse Mythology. Um, a Myth and Environment in Early Iceland. It's my research book. Um, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. And once 500 people, as I also mentioned in the uh, podcast group, once 500 people have bought it, then royalties will pay enough out so that I can get a pack of cigarettes if I go to Wyoming. And it's nice. Just a big deal. <laughs> there you go. There's, there you go. Taxes are lower up there. So everybody, everybody buy it. <laughs> Where can people get it? Uh, you can get it if you search Amsterdam University Press and Volcanoes and Old Norse Mythology. Or wow, Archimedes. you really want nobody to buy this, don't you? Oh, hell yeah. You could at least come with it. We'll, you know what? We'll put it in the show notes. It I'll get a link off Mateus. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll make sure people can, can find it. <laughs> I'm going to try and quickly do our stuff do uh, if, if, you enjoy, if you enjoy the show please leave us a 5 star rating a positive review uh, I think we're on like 193 um, I think we've had like two bad ones <laughs> shitty people it's not too bad you know we're on 4.8% so we're doing we're doing alright um, yeah so let's try and push it to 200 that would be nice um, also you can find us on Facebook Instagram or our web- websites, all just at Nordic Mythology Podcast. Um, oh, we have a new Facebook group where we just seems to just Talk be shit. a group talking <laughs> shit about me, to be honest. <laughs> like, I just seem to take a lot of heat on there. Um, so, yeah, just that's literally just Nordic like Mythology fun. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's Nordic Mythology Podcast uh, Facebook group. We will accept you if you can pass the secret questions. Um, and it's just good fun. It's one of the it's one of the uh, good Facebook groups left, I guess, before it gets ruined by other people. Um, yeah, oh, we're pushing the YouTube. So if you enjoy the show, please pop over to the YouTube channel, Nordic Mythology Podcast. Hit subscribe. Uh, we're going to start putting a bunch of sort of three, four-minute videos on there, some nice short clips. And I think that's it. I think we're uh, we're good to go. Haba, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having us. All right, let's. Uh, Let's wrap it. We we're gonna go and record our Vikings watch along show that we do every week, which we put on. It's just for our patrons. Where me and Mateus sit down and watch an episode of Vikings each week and let everybody know our thoughts. Mateus lets everyone know what's real and what's not real, and I just mm-hmm. laugh at people's bald caps. 
<laughs> it's, it's working. It's good fun. So if you want to, if you want to watch that, please just pause on any level on Patreon. You get access to that. Um, and we record it straight after the main show every week. And that's it. That's the show.